G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. have a need, I mean a real need, something we can't do or fix or resolve for ourselves, what we need is a helping hand. And if we get that helping hand, the person who's attached to that hand, well, they go up in our estimation. They earn the right to say things to us that others can't say. Funny thing happens through a helping hand. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond and thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're going to take a look at God's plan for your life, a plan to bless you richly and abundantly, not just so that you can be blessed, but so that that blessing will overflow out of your life into the parched, dry lives of the people around you. So let's get into God's Word, and please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you live in the victory that Jesus died and rose again to give you, the sort of victory that God will use to impact the lives of those around you. Well, welcome to the program this week, the last message in a series that I've called Living Life as an Ambassador for Christ. And today, today I'd like to share with you how you and I can be real ambassadors, ambassadors with a difference, ambassadors that really stand out from the crowd. Whenever there's a disaster somewhere in the world, a tsunami or an earthquake or a cyclone or a tornado, it seems to me that the wealthy countries like my own, the countries with the logistics and the equipment and the resources to help, It seems we take forever to mobilise. When people are buried under rubble, they only have days, perhaps only hours to live. And what they need right then is specialist search and rescue teams with sniffer dogs and listening equipment and all that stuff. And the survivors, what they need is medical help, food, water, shelter. And the last thing I want to do is to be critical, but it seems to take so long for the wealthy countries to mobilise their resources. We know that these disasters are going to happen every year. They just happen. And I'm always left kind of scratching my head as to why it is that it takes us so long to respond. What those poor people need within the first 24 hours is a huge influx of capability to save lives. And these days, I mean, you can pretty much fly from anywhere to anywhere in not much more than 24 hours. And yet time and time and time again, these disasters happen and it takes us weeks to mobilise. Does that kind of strike you as strange? You know, as a taxpayer in a relatively wealthy country, albeit a smallish population, but nevertheless a wealthy country, when I see the way public monies are spent, the last thing that I'd have a problem with is my government setting aside some money to establish and maintain some rapid response capabilities to help other nations when disasters strike. But as easy as it is to sit there and criticise a government, I wonder whether this lethargy in responding to need isn't something that you and I experience in our personal lives. I read about an extreme example of this in a newspaper recently. Have a listen to this short article. A South Korean couple addicted to online gaming let their babies starve to death 
while raising a virtual daughter. Parents Kim Yoo Chul and Choi Mi Sun spent up to 12 hours a day at an internet cafe tending to their avatar child in the online game Prius. But they left their real baby home alone and fed her just one bottle of milk a day. Police have charged the couple with child abuse and neglect. Now, pretty bizarre, pretty extreme, one might think. Got nothing to do with me. I'm not like that. I don't neglect my children like that. I would hope not. But what about our friends? What about our family members? What about our neighbours? What about the couple next door whose marriage is falling apart? We hear them screaming and arguing. But do we ever invite them over for a barbecue to share in their lives and for them to share in ours? What about that person at church? You know the one, single, overweight, their life's a mess, they talk a bit too much, and and no one ever invites them to their place on Sunday for lunch. What about that man at work? You see, he's a workaholic. He's ruining his marriage, neglecting his children, ruining everything, all for one of a friend who can show him a better way of living. Where are we then, you and I? I'll tell you where. We're like that online Korean couple watching TV. We're doing all the things we want to do in the comfort of our own lives and our own homes, and the more affluent we become, the less we care for one another. But we justify that. We rationalise it away. We sit in our homes with more than enough, many of us, more than enough, telling ourselves we worked hard for it and now we need a rest. We're living virtual lives, watching TV shows about cooking instead of cooking ourselves, watching TV shows about travelling instead of travelling ourselves, raising our virtual lives, our virtual gods, and ignoring the real world. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? Well, sometimes we need to be direct. Sometimes we need to call a spade a spade. God does that too. Have a listen to this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. If you have a Bible, open it up. Towards the end, the first letter of John, chapter 3, verse 17. How does God's love abide in anyone who has all the world's goods and yet sees a brother or sister in need but refuses to help? Now, I know that's hard because there seems to be so much need out there in the world. Sometimes we look at the news and we see the misery and we just turn it off, you and I. We we can't make a difference. It's too big. Okay, I kind of understand that, although we can always make some small difference. But there are so many people closer to home, sometimes even within our homes, that we have the opportunity to serve, to heal with our hands, to heal with what we do as well as with what we say. Speaking firsthand here, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that speaks more about God's love into someone's life than when we step in to help them with that one thing they need help with. Sometimes it's the smallest thing, just a word of encouragement, a meal to someone just out of hospital, a visit or a phone call. Sometimes it's loving them over the long run, being there with them and for them. Whatever it is, when we have a need and someone just meets that need, there is nothing that speaks more of the love of Jesus than that. Believe you me, I know. It was people doing just that in my life who played such a powerful role in me coming to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, their investment in meeting my needs bears fruit every day as I sit down behind this microphone. Listen again to what Paul writes about how he sees his role and ours in this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Imagine now an ambassador of a wealthy country who's taken up his or her post in a poor country. 
And one day that poor country suffers a devastating earthquake. And that ambassador from the wealthy country moves heaven and earth to quickly mobilise rescue and medical capabilities. They come quickly. They meet the desperate needs. And then, when finally the crisis is over, what do you think the ambassador's actions have just said to the people of that poor country about the wealthy country that the ambassador represents? That ambassador's actions will have spoken volumes into the poorer nation about how much the richer nation cares for them. It's simply not rocket science. Do you believe in Jesus? I do. And anyone who does is called to be an ambassador of Christ. And as the Apostle Paul writes, it is through his ambassadors dotted all over the planet that God makes his appeal for people to be reconciled to him. We don't have to look very far to find the need, do we? Often it's right under our noses. And we can spend time in prayer and at church and worshipping God and all those wonderful good things while the babies starve, while the needs go unmet, while marriages next door fall apart and people right across the street are living in fear. Or we can go, go and be ambassadors of Christ. For how does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or a sister in need and yet refuses to help? I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you. It's called Fresh, a scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1300 722 415. So go ahead, sign up to receive Fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. Now, it's one thing to be an ambassador of Christ. That's what those who believe in Jesus are called to be, ambassadors. But there are ambassadors, and then there are ambassadors. You know what I'm talking about. And the thing that makes the difference is what's going on in their hearts. In fact, it makes all the difference. As I said at the beginning of today's program, this is our last message in this four-part series, Living Life as an Ambassador for Christ. And as we draw to the end, I always find myself thinking of so many other things we could have talked about. Over the last three weeks, I guess, what we've been doing is taking a look at the different aspects of the Apostle Paul's assertion that he, and by implication you and me, if we believe in this amazing, loving, compassionate, powerful Jesus are ambassadors for Christ. Have a listen again to how he put it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We've talked a lot about what it means to be an ambassador through whom God would make his appeal to a lost and hurting world. We've looked a bit at the way Jesus was an emissary of God into this world when he became a man 
how he communicated God's message of grace to the blind and the poor and the diseased and the needy and the outcast. And I wish we could spend weeks and months more taking a closer look at that. Maybe we'll come back to it in a little while. Because at the centre of everything, everything, is Jesus, the Son of God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. So as we draw this series together today, with so much more left to talk about, I had to decide on just one thing, the the most important thing. And that most important thing, the one thing that Paul at the end of 1 Corinthians 12 calls the yet more excellent way, is this, love. That's what we're going to finish up with today. I had a friend who several years ago now was called into Christian ministry out of Australia into the United Kingdom. Now, the particular place where he went to live and to work was, well, it was a part of the UK that was particularly depressed at the time. His job wasn't to work directly with the people, but when I went to visit him and I wandered around the local town, I could feel that that oppression. There were derelict factories, rusting, decaying remnants of the industrial age. There, there was high youth unemployment. As I spoke with the people, there seemed to be a hopeless, a lostness, an emptiness in this part of the country. It really stood out. Now, we Australians, by and large, are a pretty optimistic lot. We have in our national character this can-do attitude that, that to other cultures sometimes comes across as being a bit brash. And so when I was confronted with this sad community spirit, it really struck me between the eyes. And as I chatted with my friend over coffee late one night, he too confessed that he was finding that really difficult. Moving from one culture to another, it's never easy. But the sadness and the listlessness and the hopelessness all around, particularly coupled with the long grey cold winters, was really getting to him. Now, please understand me. I am not knocking the Brits. I love travelling to England. But there are parts of the country, and any Brit will tell you this, there are parts of the country where there is high unemployment, particularly amongst the youth, and it's tough going. Anyhow, a year or so later, I was chatting with this man over Skype, and he's a great guy, I love keeping in touch with him, and so I assumed he was still doing it tough in this unfamiliar culture. I started empathising with him, and his response, his response shocked me. He said in effect, oh no, 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 we love it here, absolutely love it here. This is where God means us to be, and it's really great. Now, it was quite a turnaround, so I asked him, what's changed? You've moved your position a long way from where you were and what you were feeling a few years ago. And as I listened to him talk, it it clicked. I could hear it in his voice. He'd fallen in love with the people. God had touched his heart and he had this real compassion for the people out there, the unemployed, the people with that sense of hopelessness. He'd become part of a local church and he was part of the community and he realised that the joy and the enthusiasm and the optimism that he had in his heart could be a light in that place. He had fallen in love with the people. Sometimes we Christians feel like misfits in this world. There's a reason for that. As Jesus said in his prayer just before he was crucified, John chapter 17, he said that that we are in the world, but not of the world. The Apostle Paul makes the point that, that we're citizens of heaven, not of this world. We're misfits, just like my friend the Aussie felt he was a misfit in his new surroundings. And when we're misfits, the easiest thing in the world is to kind of criticize and poke fun and belittle those around us and complain... I know Jesus, I have my life sorted out, I know what's right, and all those other people out there whose lives are in a mess, well, they're somehow less than I am. We criticise, we argue, we demean. It's called religious superiority. 
You see it often between races and cultures. One race looks down on another because of their skin colour or their traditions or just who they are. And I've seen people get this wrong over and over and over again. I love it when the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't matter what gifts or abilities or what you do or how much you give, if you don't have love, friend, you're nothing. And the love that Jesus showed was more than just love. It was compassion, it was empathy, it was kindness and gentleness. There are two letters in the New Testament, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. They're written by Paul to Tim, his young protege. And the second one, the Apostle Paul writes these words, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 to 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. The bit I love most in there is the bit about God perhaps granting that they will repent and come to know the truth, they may escape the snare of the devil and be set free. It's oh so easy as someone who loves Jesus and who's passionate about him and who wants to see people's lives transformed to start getting this idea that it's up to us. You know, we, we see many, many lives transformed through these radio programs all over the world. But let me tell you this, with all that I am, nothing that I can do, nothing that I can say can change lives. Just yesterday I received an email from a man in another country who wrote about a particular program he'd listened to over the New Year period and he said, one small thing you said, God took that and changed my life. He was an alcoholic and he'd stopped drinking. Now, I can't do that. Only God can by his spirit when he takes his word and brings it to life in our hearts. That bit is God's job. And when you or I become arrogant or pushy or superior in our attitudes... We're working against God. Because God always opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I don't care what gift you or I have, how hard we work for Jesus, how much of our cash we contribute to his work, unless we have love, my friend, we are enemies of God, enemies of our fellow men, women and children. These three things remain, writes Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Faith, hope and love. All really good, but the greatest amongst these is love. Whatever we do, however we do it, if we do it in love, God can use it. Kind, gentle, patient. That's what Paul writes to Timothy, the wisdom of a man towards the end of his life after many, many years of very difficult ministry, bound in chains, about to be executed, writing to his young protege, just starting out in his career. Kindness, gentleness, patience. And love. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. God has an amazing plan for your life once you accept Jesus into your heart. He wants to fill you to overflowing with His blessing, and then, then He wants that blessing to pour out through you into the parched, dry lives of the people around you. It's a stunning plan. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called You Can Make a Powerful Difference. It's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you impact this world for Christ. 
request your free copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415, and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post. But this is the very last week that this particular booklet will be available, so don't miss out. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free at 1-300-722-415. Now, as we come to the end of this series, Living Life as an Ambassador of Christ, there's something that I need to make clear. We're not talking here about large houses, chauffeur-driven limos and cocktail parties, the sort of picture you might conjure up in your mind when you hear someone talking about being an ambassador. In fact, quite the opposite. Now, I had the honour the other evening of sitting and having dinner with a man who heads up a large international ministry that touches young people with the love of Jesus Christ. They have a passion for seeing the lives of young folk transformed, and they have missions and people kind of all over the world doing that. It's a huge organisation. Now, this man happens to be an Australian, and he and his wife and a couple of their kids had to move from Australia to the US for him to be able to take up the role as global president of this missions and ministry organisation. So, several years ago, they received the call and off they went. Now, you'd imagine Australia and America, both English-speaking, both Western cultures, pretty similar countries in many ways, you'd imagine. But as someone who's travelled to the US a lot, and as someone who's just received an American into our ministry, a man and his family who emigrated the other direction from the US to Australia... I can tell you there are some huge cultural differences between these two apparently similar countries. Anyhow, I asked this man and his wife as we were having dinner together, how did they find things when they moved their family to a large city in the US several years ago? Oh, they said it wasn't easy. Oh, there were some big adjustments. Oh, that first 12 months was really tough going and and we still miss those familiar things and the people and the culture that we grew up in. See, I guess my point is that it would be easy for you and me to sit and look at and listen to this man and think to ourselves, well, he's blessed, he made it, he's at the top of the heap in this large ministry, without ever seeing the cost. It cost him something. It cost his wife. It cost his children to uproot themselves and follow the call of God. Now, this guy is such a gifted leader. He's so the right man to head up that organisation But it cost him. You get it? It cost him. And these days he spends a lot of time flying around the world at the back of the plane. He's a tall man. He, And that's tiring. It's uncomfortable. And as someone said to me recently, this guy could be the head of any large global corporation. He just has what it takes. He could be flying first class. He could be earning stacks of money. But he's doing neither. Because his heart burns with a fire, a fire, a passion to see people's lives changed, not as they embrace some new religion or learn a new set of rules, but as they meet and encounter Jesus Christ, as they discover his love and his power and his compassion and his vision for their lives. Jesus, this man, this leader, is an ambassador for Christ for two reasons. The first is his soft heart, his passion, and the second are his hard feet. In other words, he was prepared to go. I think it was Corrie Ten Boom who once said something along the lines that God calls us to have soft hearts and hard feet. But the problem is that many Christians have the exact opposite. They have hard hearts and soft feet. My friend, 
Whenever we're called to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, there is a price to pay. Jesus said, if anyone would be my disciple, then he must take up his cross and follow me. Count the cost. There is a cost. And unless you take up your cross and follow me, said Jesus, follow me where I lead, then you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. Being an ambassador of Christ is going to cost us something. It is not for the faint-hearted. It is not for the hard-hearted. It is for those in whom burns a fire for Jesus, a passion to see hurting, needy people encounter this risen Saviour Jesus, whether it's across the world or across the street, a passion to see lives transformed by Jesus. Does that mean we all have to emigrate to a foreign land and head up a ministry? Of course it doesn't. But it does mean that each one of us, in some way, shape or form, wherever Jesus leads, has to go. Just as Jesus came to us, so we're called to go to the lost, to the sinners, to the outcasts, to those amongst our family and our friends and our work colleagues and our local football club and our neighbours and our enemies, (laughs) even our enemies, to go and make disciples of all the nations, to go and be ambassadors ambassadors of Christ. My friend, if you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, I want to encourage you to do something today. I want to encourage you to go to him in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be your ambassador. I want to be part of your great plan for this world of transforming lives. I want to carry you into this world, Lord. I want to see people meet you. Lord God, show me how. Show me how. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live out a rich and vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over 2,500 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hey, that's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling toll-free on 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called You Can Make a Powerful Difference. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace, and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.